So I see that it's starting to snow out a little bit now, but that just started a short while ago. By and large, this winter, we haven't hit, been hit too much by snow, and this week, almost not at all. So that by now, a lot of the sidewalks and entryways to buildings or the church have been pretty well cleared off if you're not going off the beaten path. So I won't ask people to hold their feet up, but probably most people are wearing just street shoes. That's enough to get by. But I walk usually for Mass. It's a walk I like. There's this walking path, biking path from Mundelein to Libertyville. And for whatever reason, they never plow it, ever. So even though it's been a while since we had that one snow, it's still got about two inches of solid ice and then all sorts of rutted snow on top of it. So when I come over here, I always got to put my big clunky boots on. And as you know, sometimes I change out of them, sometimes I don't. But today, that's fine, I know that's coming. So today I get ready, getting dressed, but I'm running a little bit late and I'm halfway out the door and it suddenly dawns on me, I'm gonna be trekking through the Arctic again today. So I gotta get my boots. And I was running late, so I come back, take my shoes off, put the boots on, I'm lacing them up. And as I'm lacing them, I'm thinking all sorts of horrible thoughts towards village of Mundelein, the town of Libertyville, snowplow drivers, God. And eventually I get them on, and so I can come here and lead all of you into the gentle heart of Christ. Ha! Ah. But that's what happens. Now my question is, was that in God's plan? Did God plan that snow would fall in 2021 and it would land there and Towns would decide not to plow it, even though one swipe would be more than enough, and snowplow drivers wouldn't go out, even if they were thinking, boy, I kind of feel sorry for who's ever going to walk on this, so even though it's not in my job description. I mean, did God plan all of this? And then I was like, getting ready. Did God plan that I would run late, and I would forget to put my boots on, and I have to come back, and lace them up? Is that all in God's plan? As a priest, I can't tell you how often I'm asked that question. And probably many of you as well, or you've thought it. Is this God's plan? So not about dumb stuff like what I'm talking about, but even what's God's plan for me? Should I be with this person? Should I get married? Should I pursue something else? Should I follow this job offer? If I only knew God's plan for me. Now, we're not told in our church that you have to think about God in that way. There's no dogmatic command that says, yes, God has a blueprint for you and it is followed out in a micro way. This is God's plan and whether you know it or not, this is what's going to happen. That certainly is one way you could think about it. And I know a lot of people draw a sort of comfort from thinking of it that way. But I'd like to suggest that there's another way. And if I'm going to be brutally honest, it's the way I personally think about it. And it isn't really coming from me. It's coming from St. Paul and his beautiful letter to the Ephesians. And we don't have to go into that right now. But it's that God doesn't necessarily have a micro-blueprinted plan for our lives. But what God does have is a desire. God has a deep and burning desire. Okay, so I gave you a kind of silly real-world example. Let me give you a broader hypothetical. For those of you here who are parents, 
You want the best for your children, of course, but if you wanted to, you could probably control an awful lot about their lives. I mean, think of all the things that have come up in 2020. There's the pandemic, there's social unrest, there's certain economic instability, all these kinds of things. If you wanted to, at least when they're really little, you would have the ability to control all of that. You could keep them entirely in a controlled atmosphere. Never mind the pandemic, you could make sure they wouldn't get so much as a sniffle. They'd never be exposed to any sort of germs. How about all the human interactions that can be harmful? You could carefully screen every person, whoever came into contact with them. You'd only introduce them to potential friends or dates or lifetime partners who you knew would not break their hearts. You could control everything that they ate. You could set up all their options, where they would go to school. You could make sure they only had the right sort of teachers. The job offers they got would only be the right kinds. But let's just say you did that. And you did it out of deep love, perhaps. I think most of us could agree you would not be a loving parent, but you would be a kind of monster. Do we have for our children, do I have for the seminarians, a micromanaged plan? No. But we all have a desire for the people we love. I want my children to be happy. I want them to make a difference in the world. I want them to be able to share love with others. We all have deep, deep desires. And I'd like to suggest that that may be for you, I know it is for me, a helpful way to think about God. If you do go to Paul's second letter, to the, or Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he says point blank, God has desired since before the beginning of the world. That's as early as it gets. What has he desired? He simply desired that we might be as close to him as his own son was. And I would translate that a little bit to say, God's desire for us is that we would willingly receive and embrace the only thing he has to offer. What is it that God has to offer? Is it a plowed walkway? Is it an ideal job? Is it a perfect spouse? Is it wonderful children? Yes, God could micromanage the world so all of that happened. But for me, at least, that would not be the deepest expression of love. We would just be puppets. So what is it that God has to offer? Once again, I don't have to think about this or try to manufacture my own answer. Our own theology tells us what God has to offer is one of the first things we learn in religion classes, little kids. What God has to offer us is unconditional love. And that can sound like a nice sort of throwaway line that you slap on a Hallmark card and give to someone at their first communion. But that really looks like something unconditional love. It can't get any better, it can't get any worse. On the best day of your life, you were receiving as much from God as on the most awful worst day of your life. And I don't say that lightly. That's a tough thing for me to wrap my mind and heart around. But now think about it. If that's God's desire, it's unconditionally offered and it's very conditionally received, the first time our hearts are broken, we learn to be a little bit more defensive. The first time we try something out and it doesn't work out, we get a little bit sometimes jaded. Lots of little filters grow over our hearts so that we're not totally receptive. 
Think of the readings today. God had a desire for those earliest disciples. Was there a micromanaged plan? I guess there could have been, but it sure doesn't sound like it in the Gospels. They sense that desire for Jesus. They drop their nets and they go. But that's at the very beginning. Work your way through the Gospel of Mark. There's plenty of times where it was one step forward and two steps back, and they were resistant and they struggled and they doubted. And yet through all of that, Jesus' deep desire, I want you to stay with me. I want you to come with me. You have something to receive, if only you'll do it, because I'll never stop offering it. That wonderful reading from the book, The Prophet Jonah. Don't get me started, but we cut out the whole point of why that book was written. It's also the best part of the story, right? Jonah getting swallowed by the whale. There ain't no whale in that reading. Go back and check me on it. Jonah doesn't want to go. He's resistant. God is saying, I've got this message for you. I've got this mission for you. It's part of my love for the people of Nineveh, and I want you to be the messenger. And Jonah says, no. Before we get to the beautiful yes in our little reading today, Jonah first says no. Was that part of God's plan? Maybe. But for me, at least, it's God's irresistible desire. And we find ways to try and resist it. So what does that mean? What does that mean for you and for me today? It means that every decision we make, every decision we've ever made, every decision we will ever make, every decision we're making right now in real time is doing one of two things. It's either rendering our hearts a little more receptive of that unconditional love, or it's rendering our hearts a little more resistant to it. And most of the time, 99% of the time, we ain't thinking about, oh, I want more of God's love, or how can I resist his love? If it were laid out that clearly, of course, we try to embrace it. But every decision, every decision is either rendering us a little more or a little less receiving. And if you think about it, a heart that is angry, a heart that is bitter, even if you're not angry towards God or bitter towards God, an angry heart is not an easily loved heart. If you've ever tried to love someone who's really angry, not angry at you, they're just angry. It's a tough thing to do. Don't talk to me now. I'll get back to you later. I don't want to hear that. I don't want any love coming my way. If you've ever tried to love a heart that is bitter or resentful, even if they're not bitter towards you, it's a difficult thing to do because that emotion twists inward. It's a heart that's turned in on itself, and it's not a receptive heart. Every decision, a decision as seemingly trivial as tying your shoes, renders you more or less receptive to the love of God. So I'm tying my boots up, and I'm spitting nails, and I'm just thinking about every little slight that's ever been done to me. How could I choose to tie my boots? I could think about it. I could think about the same guy I was thinking about, the guy who drove the plow, or the guy who wrote out the orders for where the plow drivers should go. Could I think about him or her? Could I think about their families? Could I think about what was going through their mind that day. I don't know them. I'll probably never meet them. Could I have even said a prayer for them? Think about the toughness of their jobs. 
Could I think about for myself the pettiness of my attitude, knowing, knowing that these were going to be the readings, and even remotely, remotely reminding myself, hey, Father John, you're going to talk about receiving the love of God. Why are you fighting with your shoelaces? It takes a lot to be that perceptive. I know that. We're human. We're like Jonah. We're like Peter when he wrestles with Jesus and argues and fights with him. But that's why we have these readings. They can be wonderful reminders. Every decision that I make today, no matter how seemingly trivial, is either making me a little more open and receptive to the people and the hopes and the desires and the needs and the sadnesses that I might be able to bring some healing to, or it's rendering me a little more closed off to my world. And most of the time, the stakes seemingly are not that high. Most of the time, we don't think we're making big, dramatic decisions. But that's the whole point. Every little decision contributes. There's no reason that that should frighten us or make us feel kind of hopeless or helpless. Quite the contrary. I think it opens up the door for all sorts of hope and possibility. So maybe just as a spiritual exercise, think about it today. Just today, never mind tomorrow. The concrete decisions that you make. Can this bring me a little more open to receiving God's love or is it going to make me a little more resistant? Usually all it takes is to think about it in advance for us to choose as God desires. It's a desire that never goes away, regardless of what the plan is. Certainly a desire in the hearts of our men and women in the RCA program and a desire for all of us in the church that they would grow closer to the Lord. So I invite them forward now as we all send them forth with a prayer in our hearts and our hope for their journey.